God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, once you know it, the devil went down to Georgia yesterday. And uh, Joe Biden uh, decided he wanted to end the filibuster and push for election fraud in a state that already had enough election fraud. But that was an interesting... Um, Interesting speech because he 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 was sounded angry. He uh, was barking, uh, and then he was talking about Jim Crow. He was talking about how you know the Republicans are racists that don't want black people to vote, and there he is in Atlanta making that assumption. Of course, the demographics tell that tale. Um, that uh, it's a uh, Atlanta's. A, predominantly black city Um, and that seems to be where a lot of the fraud was in Atlanta Fulton County but in any case you know the Jim Crow laws someone needs to like knock on that wooden wooden nugget that's on top of uh, Biden's head and remind Biden of what they had already said and what they've already done Because not only do I have endless amount of clips for flip-floppers like Chuck Schumer in the Senate, that we're going to play some of them for you, but he seems to forget who wrote the Jim Crow laws, doggone it. It was the state and local Wikipedia. Jim Crow laws. Just go ahead, Wikipedia. State and local Democrat officials wrote the Jim Crow laws. And they are responsible for the segregation. It's the Democrats that have always been about segregation. What do you think the vaccine passport's about? What do you think about, what do you think the social economic class warfare is about? It's all about separating the classes. 
Now they'll tell you high up on their perch in their behind their ivory towers about they'll preach to you about righteousness. They'll preach to you about the blueprint for success. In fact, one of the nice best quotes I read in the last few hours, uh, last day or so, Thomas Sowell. Thomas Sowell, black thinker, black leader. To my opinion, he should be one of the people that the people in Atlanta sitting there listening to Joe Biden yell at them and lie to them about the uh, about how the, uh, the voter regulations and restrictions or voter ID is akin to racism and it's a ra- racist policies and Jim Crow laws. So, so Biden's lying to them. Jim Crow was all about segregation and separating blacks from whites. And he cited, uh, he referenced in a negative way, a derogatory way, George Wallace. Hello, George Wallace was a Democrat. He was a Democrat governor from Alabama. Thomas Sowell writes this, a black um, intellectual, says, there has never been a shortage of people eager to draw up blueprints for running other people's lives. There have never there has never been a shortage of people eager to draw up blueprints for running other people's lives. In essence, there's no shortage of people wanting to tell other people what to do. I love it when I watch someone like Ben Shapiro or Dinesh D'Souza give those campus speeches. And they always have these libtarded socialists come up and go go about their uh, asking their question and it's always about you know this altruistic view of such things as to you know these people need help ami horowitz for example you know was ta- interviewing uh democrats at cal berkeley you know the birkenstock wearing granola eating berkeley students and they would say, well, black people can't, you know, they don't have the same means for getting out and getting an ID or they can't really, you know, they don't have what we have, whatever. Then he takes the same questions to Harlem. And, you know, the black people that he was uh, talking to in Harlem were tilted their heads sideways, their eyebrows would go together like, what? Are you, are you going out of your way to insult me? And my intelligence? And I was listening to some other black uh, pundits. These young young women, actually, that uh, were on Fox and Friends today. And I was listening to them. I was like, I don't know anybody that doesn't have an ID. And, you know, the black people I know here in Arlington, um, they're as tech-savvy and as, uh, as capable as anybody I've ever known. I mean... It's not even an issue. Like, it's not a skin color issue at all. They're people. (laughs) I mean, it's as simple as that. There's no room for racism. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about Donald Trump. 
Donald Trump doesn't even really talk about skin color, and he doesn't make any excuses for it. And as soon as you start to defend your position based on skin color, you've fallen into their trap. Trump has never done that. It's one of the great things about him. You know, like when he was um, talking, um, bantering about with Lamar Ball. Lamar Ball, remember, had that son from UCLA Went, and ch- went to China and got in some trouble. And Donald Trump said, let's avoid this international brouhaha and let's make sure this goes straight. And it was Donald Trump that really, his persona, what he was willing to do and what he was willing to say was enough to get President Xi to realize he's messing with the wrong hombre here. And that he was not going to hold these black ballers, uh, these uh, UCLA basketball players. He was not going to hold them. He was going to let them go and go back to the United States. I guess someone stole something, shoplifted somewhere in China, and they were going to throw the book out and make it an example of them. And it was Lamar... Lamar Lamar um, Ball that decided to say uh, no, it's not Trump. He hated Trump, right? He he loved Obama, hated Trump, but Trump was the one that got his son out of China, right? So next thing you know, he starts bashing Trump instead of saying thank you and going on his way. He basically said the other, and. What was interesting about that is President Trump <clears throat> didn't back down from it just because the guy was black and didn't handle the guy with kid gloves, handled the guy like he's a guy, like he's a man. Like he's he's t- as tough and as smart and as capable as anybody else. And that's what I liked about it. Trump never, uh, you know, worried about gender, uh, you know, to secure the women's vote. Sort of like Ted Cruz did when he got Carly Fiorina to be his vice presidential candidate before he'd even win the nomination. And he was like, I assure you I'm going to be good for women because I'm going to have Carly Fiorina, who is basically a, a, uh, we learned later, really, Carly Fiorina was a deep state spook working with General Hayden, a Trump hater, on spy software Working with the Maxwells, Christina Maxwell, the Ghislaine's uh, sister, who uh, founded Magellan, which was the predecessor to Google, and had this software called Chiliad software that was basically uh, this software that would gather up metadata. And it was back in the time when the NSA was just getting started, really. And General Hayden was coming from the CIA and he was installing metadata gathering techniques and software at the NSA. So years later, you know, when James Clapper, and this is going back almost a decade now, where James Clapper said, we uh, don't spy on all Americans, not wittingly anyway. Of course, he was lying. And Snowden You know, Snowden kind of made it very clear, right? 
Snowden made it clear about that. Um, and that's why they don't want Snowden to see the light of day, because he would reveal the truth. But now the truth has really kind of come out, so what's the big deal? The, the jig is up, right? We already know what they're doing. Clearly, we know what they're doing. And that's a shame. You know, what we're seeing happen to Julian Assange or what we're seeing happen to uh, er, uh, Edward Snowden, all in the name of covering up. And we're seeing this covering up, too, with regard to Ray Epps. Ray Epps is starting to get some heat because they're having these committee hearings and Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz was uh, basically was a Senate Judiciary Committee and Ted Cruz was asking the Department of Justice about Ray Epps. Hey, what's about Ray Epps? January 6th. On January 5th, he was saying, let's invade this capital. And all the patriots around them said, Fed, Fed, Fed. Ray Epps. Who's Ray Epps? Can't tell you that, she said. The Department of Justice said they can't talk about Ray Epps. Huh. What's that about? Sounds spooky to me. So that's Ray Epps. And then Rand Paul had his exchange with Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci came prepared, brought some props, and decided to tell the world that Rand Paul was fundraising off of the catastrophic 800,000 deaths uh, surrounding COVID. How dare he profit from that? Not like the Democrats haven't been profiting from raping and pillaging our cities all year and all last year with their Black Lives Matter uh, and Antifa bandits setting cities on fire in the name of police brutality or whatever the, the heck the issue is. But to listen to Joe Biden talk in Atlanta yesterday, it was just ridiculous. The guy yelling at people. And I said earlier uh, this week, I said on the, uh, and I said for a long time, I I don't believe Joe Biden's going to be running for re-election. I don't think he's got the uh, stamina. I don't think he has the chops. And I actually think that Hillary Clinton is really upset because they didn't have the cheating, rigging apparatus in place for her. They miscalculated because it was their first bite at the apple. But now they got the calculations right and they realize they can make people wear masks if they want to. They realize they could have people standing in line to get checked out for a a, uh, virus to see if they have one. They don't even feel sick but they'll stand out in line all day. Or if they want to travel anywhere, they'll stand out in line and get their papers. These liberals will just embrace the fact that they're losing every civil right that they were ever granted. They don't understand what's being taken from them because they're so stupid. They won't realize it until it's gone. And the sad truth is the patriots like you and me that are listening, uh, that that, uh, are paying attention, that know for a fact what's happening right before our eyes and we can't kind of, we can't quite stop it. We see it happening, this train wreck. 
and we're asking our brothers and sisters from the left to to help out to don't do this they're going to ruin it for everybody and they just won't because they're so ignorant and that goes for um that goes for a lot of these black liberals as well because they're being used black lives matter liberals marxists um, they're being used as well. And that's, that's, a, that's a sad, sad thing right there. And um, they're being used as well. They're being used like worker mules. The only people, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Act Blue that was shedding blood in the streets. It was the people that were fundraising for Act Blue, Black Lives Matter, they were losing, shedding blood in the streets. And they were black people that were fighting, being used like slaves. You know, they talk about racism and they talk about Jim Crow and they talk about George Wallace like Joe Biden did yesterday in Atlanta. Only to fi- the fact is, is that those are all liberals. And they're doing it again. And it's it's kind of silly too. They pack the um, bleachers surrounding Biden with all these black people to kind of show that somehow Joe Biden's not a racist. Joe Biden is probably the biggest racist I've ever met in this generation. I mean, certainly the things he has said throughout his career been so racial and race racist you know in terms of uh the things he said about his children going to school in the jungle and you know that's back when he actually supported border security he didn't want all these uh minorities coming through and i mean he he was he said you can't work at a 7-eleven unless you have a slight accent I mean, the guy is just preposterous. You ain't black if you don't vote for me. I mean, who is he to say? And if you look at his track record through the years, his hiring practices were just hard. So we got three big stories really today. Uh, We got the Rand Paul-Fauci exchange. We got Ray Epps and the Ted Cruz exchange with the FBI. We got Biden basically wanting to put an end to the filibuster, making flip-floppers out of everybody in the Democrat Party right now. And Joe Manchin is probably going to be there to save it. Joe Manchin's already been on record as to not supporting ending the filibuster. But what are these other Democrats thinking? They flip-flopped. You know, the thing is... I'll be honest, and this is going to sound a little strange, but I actually am not a big fan of the filibuster. Not a big fan. I think if you have 51 votes, that should be enough. You know, that's what makes the elections important. But the fact that we're on the short end of the stick right now, you know, that would be horrible if the Democrats got uh, put an end and went nuclear 
did the nuclear option. Harry Reid did it, and it came back to bite them. Harry Reid, rest in peace, Harry Reid. Speaking of losses, though, Betty White, you know, I just learned yesterday, uh, Betty White, uh, actually, when she died, she died six 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 days prior, or she uh, had a stroke six days prior to her death. I didn't know that. I was listening to J.J. McCartney, and uh, he, I heard it on his show, and he said that. Uh, that's interesting. You know, I was a big fan of J- Betty White, but um, and then we lost that Sa- Saget, the the comedian. By all accounts, everybody loved him. But you know, another big loss, in my opinion in the last week, was uh, Sidney Poitier. He, he died. And uh, I uh, thought he, his contribution to um, the black causes, despite the fact that he was a bleeding liberal, um, the, the, the roles that he picked, I thought, were uh, great for black progress back in the 60s and 70s and what have you. Um. And, uh, but I I don't agree with his politics per se, but I do think his contribution uh, was worth mentioning in terms of black progress. It's the Democrats that stood in the way, though. It's the Democrats that wrote the segregationist Jim Crow laws. It's the Democrats like Jefferson Davis that fought against the Republicans, the Lincoln Party, the party of Lincoln, to secede from the country over the issue of slavery. And if you look at the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments and what they were all about in terms of um, black people be, being having a right to vote, uh, uh, not be considered three-fifths of a man, um, you know, one person, one vote, that kind of thing, uh, abolishing slavery, I mean, all of these things were supported by the Republican Party and rejected by the Democrat Party. And the guy who stood in the doorway for those two black children to go and integrate with a white school in Alabama and Birmingham was none other than George Wallace, who Biden referenced yesterday. And he was a Democrat. And then you got Biden and Hillary Clinton and all these people basically parading with Robert Byrd when he was alive, the senator from West Virginia, who was basically the uh, former grand wizard of the KKK, a leader. And uh, they didn't have any problem with him. You know, how how's a guy like that get elected? It's beyond me, right? It's totally beyond me. So these are the big issues that we're going to be covering today. And we have some clips to prove it. So one of the, um, and then I, there's something else I want to say too. This is just a uh, public service announcement, but NPR came out with an article and it's just about, um, again, I don't really agree with all this socialized uh, stuff related to Pfizer and all these different companies that are getting rich, when they say that these drugs are free, they're not free. 
somebody's really making billions and trillions of dollars off of this stuff and it's not me and it's not you. And that's why I thought one of the questions that they asked yesterday to Fauci, who's the highest paid bureaucrat in Washington, and they asked the question, you know, show well, how can we go about getting your fina, uh, personal finance? You know, where, where are your investments? You get information before everybody else. How do we know that you're not insider trading? You know, that kind of thing. And he got really upset because Fauci has thin skin. And he basically said uh, under his breath, moron. And then he used the uh, the uh, phrase Jesus Christ in a, in a derogatory way. Um, not a very, not a very good man. Not a very nice man. It seems like a very short fused, spoiled, rotten little man syndrome, power hungry kind of guy. He always, he always struck me, struck me as that a little man syndrome kind of guy, a little midget, and it just seems to be a little bit angry, like a little Festus on gun smoke. You know, always. Shooting off at the hip. Arrogant son of a gun, too. Arrogant as can be. But this public service announcement, it says, health insured. Okay, how to get insurance to pay for at-home COVID tests. Okay. And so I wrote a little piece, just basically it was a cliff notes to this article uh, that was written over at NPR. And it was... Health insured, health insured, so the people that are, have health insurance who purchased, an, who purchased, make that past tense, who purchased an authorized over-the-counter diagnostic test will be able to have those test costs covered by their insurance beginning this Saturday and will be required to cover eight uh Free of uh, the uh, insurance companies will be required to cover up to eight free over-the-counter at-home tests per individual per month. And if you have a family, say you're four people in a family, that means thirty-two. Four times eight, thirty-two. So uh, that seems to be excessive, really, when you think about it. That they would buy eight tests when there's a shortage of tests. Nevertheless. You can get these over-the-counter tests paid for. And these are Abbott. Uh, The picture they have showing is Abbott Binax now, COVID-19 self-test. But it would be nice to have some of those laying around. And again, my uh, order of business is this. Know what to do in the case of an emergency. If if you're in a high-rise building, have a rope ladder, throw it out your window and give yourself a, a chance to escape. Figure out if you don't have a rope ladder, you know, tie sheets together, you know, and try to figure out a way. But always have some sort of a emergency response to all, all these things. And COVID is no different. And I know one thing I learned from Joe Rogan, really, and Dana White learned from Joe Rogan, 
But Joe Rogan was great when he when he basically got the virus and he he realized what his response was and then he shared it with people. And they tried to do that a little bit yesterday, what the response is supposed to be. But they're so vague about it still. And so Joe Rogan did a good job in that. And he said, basically, I got monoclonal antibodies. I got my, got my doctor to write a script for that. Uh, so I called my doctor, had him write a script for that, and ivermectin. Write a script for that. And we played a clip from Joe Rogan uh, the other day, and it was about um, it was about ivermectin, how CNN was caught lying. That it's not a horse for, a horse uh, uh, drug. It's a uh, a horse dewormer. It's not a horse dewormer. It's a it's a it's a it's a drug made for human beings, just like you know your pets consume a lot of the same types of drugs we take, but only in different dosages and different you know treated differently. So that's that. All right. So what we're going to do is <clears throat> we're going to play some clips here, but before we do. I want to say this um, about Fauci. Chad Program writes, Fauci, after questions about his financial disclosures from questioning from GOP Kansas Senator Roger Marshall, what are you talking about? It's totally accessible to, for you to the public. And he's talking about the finances. So Ned Ryan writes a response to that and says, Fauci is a fraud, but... Just a reminder, this is exactly what progressives always wanted with the administrative state. Powerful, unelected bureaucrats making policy with little to no oversight and elected officials. And by the way, I've said this before on the show and I've said it again. A lot of people, patriots, and and a lot of people I know, including my dad and a lot of other people, friends of mine, good people, I'm not just disparaging it but when people talk about term limits in 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 terms of elected officials one of the things that would end up happening the unintended the unintended consequence to that would be someone like Fauci you would get many many Fauci's nobody could get fired because the powerful people that know everybody they could ruin people's lives They'll keep that bureaucratic job forever and they'll never be accountable to anybody because they won't even have to win an election. But they'll have the power, nevertheless. And the government budget would go through the roof in addition to that. Because one thing I've learned about the Trump era is that the politicians have less power than we ever thought that they did. And that goes for governors, and that goes for presidents. I, I'm surprised at how little power some of these individuals have. All right, so we are going to um, play a couple of clips here. Senator Ted Cruz going over the footage of Ray Epps on January 5th and 6th. Senator Cruz, Miss Sanborn, was Ray Epps a Fed? Jill Sanborn. Sir, I cannot answer that question. This is a short clip. Let's take a listen to this one. 
We're going to take a a listen to this, and then I have a longer clip associated with this exchange. All right, so let's take a listen. Well, there are a lot of people who are understandably very concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered, and there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, Fed, 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 Fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a Fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. The next day, the next day, on January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Sir, similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. So, you know, I I did read a pretty good tweet. It said, Ray Epps might be the only Trump supporter that the feds don't want anything to do with. Think about it. They want to go and they want to go to Alaska and raid a grandmother's house because she was at the event. And yet they don't want anything to do with Ray Epps. What? Why is that? That should just make you think right there. Full stop right there. Boom. Period. End of story. The fact that they don't want to know anything about Ray Epps, but they want to know everything about the shaman and throw him in jail and throw throw him in jail and throw away the key is insane. It's a little bit of a longer clip associated with this. Let's take a listen to this. This is kind of the similar exchange. I want to turn to the FBI. How many FBI agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th? Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. Uh, Did any FBI agents or or confidential informants informants actively participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Sir, I I can't answer that. Did any FBI agents or confidential informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? Sir, I can't answer that. Ms. Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him. Well... There are a lot of people who are understandably very concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered, and there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, Fed, 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 seeking information on individuals connected with violent crimes on January 6th. Among those individuals in the bottom there is Mr. Epps. The FBI publicly asked for information, identifying, offering cash rewards leading to information, leading to, for information leading to the arrest. 
This was posted, and then, sometime later, magically, Mr. Epps disappeared from the public posting. According to public records, Mr. Epps has not been charged with anything. No one's explained why a person videoed urging people to go to the Capitol, a person whose conduct was so suspect the crowd believed he was a Fed, would magically disappear from the list of people the FBI was looking at. Ms. Sanborn, a lot of Americans are concerned that the federal government deliberately encouraged illegal and violent conduct on January 6th. My question to you, and this is, a, this is not an ordinary law enforcement question, this is a question of a public accountability. Did federal agents or those in service of federal agent actively encourage violent and criminal conduct on January 6th? Not to my knowledge, sir. Thank you. Incredible. What has happened to the FBI? They're getting busted right before our eyes, folks. They're absolutely busted. So we're going to take a listen now to uh, some other things here. Rand Paul, for one. But before we do that, uh, I'm thinking I want to I want to play. I want to just wrap up the uh, the Joe Biden uh, statements that he made in Atlanta yesterday um, about the filibuster, because we're going to get the Fauci. Uh, last, I, I believe, here. So let's take a listen. This is um, Joe Biden forcefully says the Senate should get rid of the filibuster. Let's take a listen to this. Today, I'm making it clear to protect our democracy, I support changing the Senate rules, whichever way they need to be changed to prevent a minority of senators from blocking action on voting rights. <clears throat> when it comes to protecting majority rule in America, the majority should rule in the United States Senate. I make this announcement with careful deliberation, recognizing the fundamental right to... So he's an idiot, right? Because he's on record, and we're going to play that in just a second. But here's another one. Kamala Harris was down there with him. And she says that the Senate filibuster is arcane. She says it's arcane, but the Democrats used the filibuster in 2020 327 times. So, you know, it's just pure politics, right? I mean, that's what it is. Senate Republicans have exploited arcane rules to block these bills. Senate Republicans have exploited... So, you know, it's just pure and simple politics. And again, like I say, I find myself a little bit in a quandary because I actually don't, I'm not a big fan of the filibuster. I think it does slow things down in the Senate. And in some ways, you know, the arguments that are made are good. You know, that they're good. Yeah, that you need to, to get 10 people from the other side of the aisle uh, to uh, to to work with you, or you need to win more seats. <clears throat> Either way, uh, and if you have that kind of a mandate, then then good. So make the rule sixty 
you know, the, you have to win uh, 60 votes to, to pass certain laws. Make it like that. But the, the situation is right now, what they're trying to do is they're trying to federalize our elections. They're trying to pack the courts. They're trying to do things that we've never dreamed would be attempted to be done. And so we're living in scary times. The, the people that are running the Democrat Party right now, you know, I don't even think that they're a reflection of America because of the election rigging. You know, the whole ballot harvesting and mail-in voting and the fraud that's been associated with the machines, it's unprecedented. There's just so many smoking guns. In 2017, 32 Democrat senators signed a bipartisan letter in favor of the filibuster. Democrats, as well as Republicans. And they're listed here. And that was uh, uh, 2017. 32 Democrats. They signed this bipartisan letter in favor of the filibuster. Here's Joe Biden in 2019. Let's see what he has to say about the filibuster. (laughs) Should they end the legislative filibuster if that's what's needed to pass gun reform? I think... We have to make that call on the fly. Ending the filibuster is a very dangerous thing to do because it's been used by progressives the whole our whole time to make sure that we did not get rolled over. All right, so let's take a listen to Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden and others. Uh, Cory Booker. We're going to take a listen to a whole bunch of them. How about Chris Coons? Let's take a listen to Dick Durbin, Joe Biden. They want to make this country into a banana republic where if you don't get your way, you change the rules. The legislative filibuster should stay there, and I I will personally uh, resist efforts to get rid of it. I'm committed to never voting to change the legislative filibuster. That would be the end of the Senate. It raises problems that are more damaging than the problems that exist. You cannot change the rules in the middle of the game because you do not like the outcome. You're going to throw the entire Congress into chaos and nothing will get done. Change the rules in midstream to wash away 200 years of history. Nothing at all will get done. I don't think that we ought to be coming in willy-nilly and, and uh, changing the rules. You can't change the rules in the middle of the game. Ideologues in the Senate want to turn what the founding fathers called the cooling saucer of democracy into the rubber stamp of dictatorship. If you don't have 60 votes yet, it just means you haven't done enough advocacy and you need to work a lot harder. It's ultimately an example of the arrogance of power. Partisan power grab that will stomp on the rights of the minority and leave Congress fundamentally changed for the worse. Preserve checks and balances so that no one party can do whatever it wants. It'll be a doomsday for democracy. The one most important rule that requires compromise, requires working across the aisle. It is a fundamental power grab. Will not stand by when a party drunk with power tries to overturn 200 years of precedent. Ending the filibuster is a very dangerous thing to do. They want to... So there you go, folks, right? And then here's Chuck Schumer making his case for the uh, filibuster. Let's take a listen. 
bottom line is very simple. The ideologues in the Senate want to turn what the Founding Fathers called the cooling saucer of democracy into the rubber stamp of dictatorship. We will not let them. They want, because they can't get their way on every judge, to change the rules in midstream, to wash away 200 years of history. They want to make this country into a banana republic, where if you don't get your way, you change the rules. Are we going to let them? No! It'll be a doomsday for democracy if we do. I got to tell you, that's hard to listen to, though, right? His voice is just so awful. Um, just absolutely atrocious. So Dr. Fauci uh, and I finally agreed on something in our state, in our Senate hearing today. That's Senator Rand Paul. He said that Dr. Fauci and I finally agree that bureaucrats are ruling through mandates. Bureaucrats are ruling through mandates. So let's take a listen to, uh, to that. Here we go. But when the planner is a government official like yourself who rules by mandate, the errors are compounded and become much more harmful. A planner who believes he is the science leads to an arrogance that justifies in his mind using government resources to smear and to destroy the reputations of other scientists who disagree with him. In an email exchange with Dr. Collins, you conspire, and I quote here directly from the email, to create a quick and devastating published takedown of three prominent epidemiologists from Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. Apparently, there's a lot of fringe epidemiologists at Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. And you quote in the email that they were from Dr. Collins, and you, you agree that they are fringe. And immediately, there's this takedown effort. A published takedown, though, you know, doesn't exactly conjure up the image of a dispassionate scientist. Instead of engaging them on the merits, you and Dr. Collins sought to smear them as fringe and take them down, and not in journals, in lay press. This is not only antithetical to the scientific method, it's the epitome of cheap politics, and it's reprehensible, Dr. Fauci. Do you really think it's appropriate to use your $420,000 salary to attack scientists that disagree with you? Beat down. That's a beat down right there, right? So... You know, not to be outdone, Tucker Carlson weighed in on this issue as well. Um, but before we go on to that, Senator Rand Paul also tweeted this out. So you can still work in a hospital if you have active COVID, but doctors and nurses who don't have COVID and are unvaccinated are fired. Am I the only one, this is Rand Paul saying this, am I the only one who perceives the absurdity of this scenario? Think about it. And the vaccines don't work, right? Or more people are getting the Omicron who are vaccinated than unvaccinated. And yet they still got the vaccine mandate to eat in the restaurant. I mean, does that make any sense whatsoever? That you're better off. I mean, they, you, you feel like this. You feel like even if they came out with a ironclad proof that somehow being unvaccinated gives you better antibodies than, you know, the antibodies f 
that you have worn off from a vaccine, right? I think that there are going to be some studies and arguments that are going to indicate certain elements of that thought. And the idea would be that even if it were the case where they proved that somehow the vaccines made you more of a spreader and more susceptible to getting sick, that still, if you go to New York or D.C., like they have right now, or Boston, where you can't walk into an establishment without showing your vaccination papers, that they would still not abandon that. Or even go further and flip it upside down and basically say, if you are vaccinated, you can't walk into this restaurant because you're a super spreader, you're more prone to getting sick, and this is a health concern. Wouldn't that be the irony of all ironies? That you would be banned if you were vaccinated and not banned if you were not vaccinated. I would love to see that day. I mean, not really, because that would be hell on earth too. That would just be just as bad as the other. Yes, I agree. But boy, would it put a smile on my face, the irony of that. It's just, it's crazy. It's absolutely absurd. So let's take a listen to Rand Paul talking about, um, oh, let's, well, actually, I want to get to the Tucker clip here in a second. Let's take a listen to this one. We got 10 clips we could play. Loathsome and complicit, even than his toughest critics ever alleged. Today, two Republican congressmen, James Comer and Jim Jordan, released emails that show Fauci was warned by scientists at the very beginning of the corona pandemic that this virus very likely leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. That's the same lab where a Fauci agency was funding gain-of-function research. According to a letter from House Oversight Committee Republicans today, quote, on February 1st, 2020, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Collins, and at least 11 other scientists convened a conference call to discuss COVID-19. It was on this conference call that Drs. Fauci and Collins were first warned that COVID-19 may have leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and further, that it may have been intentionally genetically manipulated. So that's news. By the way, that was a year before that became the common view of the origin of COVID. And during that year, anyone who raised the question was denounced as a racist, anti-Asian or something. But it turned out to be very likely true. So today, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky asked Fauci about all of this. Watch how Fauci responds. For most of the scientists do. that came to you privately, did they come to you privately and say, no way, this came from the lab? Or was their initial impression, Dr. Gary and Dr. others that were involved, was their initial impression actually that it looked very suspicious for a virus you know, that came from a lab? Senator, we are here at a committee to look at a, a virus now that has killed almost 900,000 people. And the purpose of the committee was to try and get things out how we can help to get the American public. And you keep coming back to personal attacks on me that have absolutely no relevance to reality. Ah, he's such a filthy little demagogue. Filthy little demagogue. Doesn't answer the question, makes it all about him, solipsist that he is. And then he whips around and accuses Rand Paul of endangering his life. Fauci held up a page from Rand Paul's website that read, Fire Tony Fauci. Now, Fauci is the highest paid federal employee and one of the longest serving. He works for us. So we have a right not to want him to work for us anymore. That's called democracy. 
But according to Fauci, that's illegitimate. He blamed Rand Paul's webpage for alleged threats of violence against him. In other words, if you criticize me, you're trying to get me killed. This is how they are, liberals. Passive aggression, feline, not canine. Meanwhile, Fauci refused to take any responsibility for the lockdowns that he supported that wrecked the country in a lot of ways. Watch. Do you think you, the lockdowns said, are good for our kids? Do you think we slowed down the death rate? More people have died now under President Biden than did under President Trump. You are the one responsible. You are the architect. You are the lead architect for the response from the government. And now 800,000 people have died. Right. So you think it's a uh, winning success what you've advocated for government? Um, Senator, first of all, <clears throat> if you look at everything that I said, you accuse me of in a monolithic way telling people what they need to do. Everything that I've said has been in support of the CDC guidelines. Wear a mask, get boosted. And you've advocated to make it coarse. Take, and take done a look at course, everything that I've said. You've advocated to be done by mandate. Are you following the reasoning here? So the first time Rand Paul asks him a question, Fauci says, almost a million people have died. You can't ask me that question. So then Rand Paul says, yeah, almost a million people have died and you were making the rules. So you're not taking the responsibility for that? And Fauci, rather than answering the question or manning up in any way, says, oh, I wasn't really in charge. I was just giving suggestions on TV. Filthy demagogue. Couldn't, said it, couldn't have said it better myself. Loathsome and And uh, let's just take a look, listen to this one. Do you think it's a great success? Let's take a listen to Do you think it's this. a great success what's happened what? so far? Do you think you, the lockdowns are good for our kids? Do you think we slowed down the death rate? More people have died now under President Biden than yeah. did under President Trump. You are the one responsible. You are the architect. You are the lead architect for the response from the government. And he doesn't want to take responsibility. Absolutely crazy. Well, you know, um, the wheels are starting to come off, though. Fauci is in panic mode right now. And uh, I really think we're going to even learn more with this Project Veritas disclosure with some of the military uh, leaks that have been going on, you better believe that there is going to be some whistleblowers that are going to be coming out against this. And you'll see even more whistleblowers once the wheels start to fall off the train and people know that they could, whistle, they could blow the whistle without losing their jobs and you know, once they gain a little leverage with their position. Uh, but we're uh, at the end of the uh, time for our show today. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com, scottadamshow.com, uh, to get the player, to, to uh, get the latest podcasts, and uh, soon we'll be uh, having a new blog up there at scottadamshow.com. So check us out. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.